Hi, this is Bridget. Terry and I are doing research and interviews for the new season launching this month. Today, please enjoy this informative and powerful episode from our archives, where you'll find nearly 200 other episodes to choose from. Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hey, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not an easy answer. It is not an easy answer. Fine, you know, fine. It's all very weird. I'm I'm not able to work my other job, which has obviously lots of implications, but I do get to spend lots of time with my daughter here and, you know, it's got its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Before we started recording, we were saying that we wished we could do this episode over Zoom or FaceTime or something so we could see everybody out there and check in. Um, I guess our Facebook community page is the closest thing we can come. So anybody listening, check in there if you want to. We really want to know what's going on with you and how we can better focus our episodes to help out as much as possible. And that's our intention with this episode. This season, we focused on our mental health during the pandemic. We've highlighted free online resources, talked with a family that tested positive for COVID-19, gotten advice from a therapist about healthy ways to deal with the stress and uncertain times. And today, we're going to focus on two research-based practices that are available to us for free, 24-7, to keep us in or return us to positive mental states. Dr. Barbara Moser is our guest today. After more than 30 years as a medical doctor and more than a decade working in suicide prevention, she is now teaching mindfulness and self-compassion practices that she believes are suicide prevention upstream. And any time that we can wrestle back some control from depression or stop it at the door before it moves in with its steamer trunk, we've got to seize that opportunity. So here is Dr. Moser to teach us how and to give her voice to depression. All right, we will dive in. If we're going to talk about mindfulness and self-compassion, I think we should start by saying what they both are. And even though self-compassion comes second, I'd like to talk about that because I just think for those of us with depression, we may be even worse at speaking to ourselves as though we're speaking to someone we love. Yes, absolutely. And for some folks, it's a concept that really never occurs to you unless it's really put in front of your Mm -hmm. face. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was certainly true for me. Um, I, I always thought of myself as a very kind and caring medical provider. I, I really genuinely loved my patients and really wanted the very best for them, wanted to do the very best for them, wanted to see them be better. 
But it never occurred to me, Terry, that I could have that same care and kindness toward myself. And one really, I think, accessible way to think about self-compassion is that self-compassion is really treating yourself with the same care, the same kindness, the same love as you would a dear friend. Oh, let that settle in. Treating ourselves with the same care, kindness, and love that we'd give a dear friend. It's a simple and revolutionary idea, especially for those of us convinced by depression that we're somehow not worthy of that tenderness. Self-compassion is very strongly associated in clinical studies with positive mind states, wellness, emotional well-being, life satisfaction, happiness. It's also very strongly associated with less depression, anxiety, stress. I'll link to uh, that if you want to send me a link, just so if people are of the research types, you know, who Mm -hmm. need to see it to believe it, that would be really helpful. Yep. So shifting to mindfulness, um, what is it? How does it help? Mindfulness is really awareness of our moment-to-moment experience with acceptance. We recognize we're here, we're now, we're aware of what's happening to us, and we're not judging it. We're accepting it as it is. Now, that doesn't mean if something terrible is happening that we think it's okay. But for right now, in this moment, it is what it is. Can I say one other thing? Yeah. Okay. Mindfulness, like self-compassion, has lots of very robust long-term research to show that it is very helpful with emotional regulation. I believe it. So stress reduction and difficult times. We are smack dab in the middle of some. How, sure. Right? How would these practices help somebody who's really struggling right now for any number of reasons? Yeah, absolutely. It, this is one of the toughest times that, that I've ever gone through for a variety of reasons. One is um, life is turned upside down. Things are unpredictable. And we, as humans, we like, to, we like to be able to count on things. We like to be able to know what's going to happen, and we like to have some sense of control. And this is a very out-of-control time for, for a lot of us right now. Absolutely. I personally and many people I speak with are, are often on an emotional roller coaster, you know? Some days I'm feeling just awful. My depression is kicking up. I'm down. And I'm feeling a little bit of that downward spiral into the hole. Um, Other days, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going forward. I'm helping other people uh, keep their mood up. So so given all of those things that are going on in our own minds and our own homes and our own lives and, and on this globe, how can we use those tools to help us get through it? So mindfulness and self-compassion are 
two of the best tools that we have at our beckoning always to help us regulate our emotions, to help us cope with difficult emotions and to meet them skillfully. Barbara shared that as a retired physician, some of her difficult emotions come from seeing and hearing about frontline healthcare workers in this crisis. And my emotions are spiraling. And what helps me in that moment is to be mindful, to be mindful of my difficult emotions, to be mindful that this is a moment of real struggle. And wow, this is really hard. And when I can name it and say, oh, I'm feeling grief, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm feeling fear, I'm feeling sadness, when I can name it, and be mindful of those emotions, it puts a bit of space between me and that immediate experience of the emotion. And it gives me some space to act differently. And in that space, we can take a mindful moment. We can choose to turn off the television, end the stressful conversation, turn off our computer, Shift our attention to the sunshine or a tree outside our window. Remind ourselves of something safe and peaceful in our world. And breathe. And so it gives me some ability to go in a different direction. And that is a real powerful moment that I don't have to be swept up in my thoughts, my emotions, that awful, stressful, sinking feeling in my gut you know, all of it. Wow. Let's talk about breathing for a minute because I have, in uh, full disclosure here, taken your, is it eight-week course? Twice? The breathing thing, it has helped me so much during this to just close my eyes, lean my head back, and, and 20 seconds, and I feel a little reset. I love that, Terry. And our breath is a wonderful way to come back into the present moment And it's very self-compassionate, right? When I notice that I'm struggling, that's a gift. That's kindness to myself because now I can choose to do something kind. And so breathing can be a gift to myself. It can be an act of kindness and it feels good. Okay, so you had us at gift and kindness, and the cherry on the sundae is that it feels good. So give us a little demonstration. Absolutely. So I often start with three deeper belly breaths. So let's maybe do that all together right now. Find your breath wherever you can feel it most easily. So for some of us, that's at our nostrils, noticing the air going in and out. It may be in your chest, feeling your chest rising and falling, or it may be in your belly with your belly going up and down and taking three deeper breaths and really noticing it. And if you're able to, allowing your out breath to be longer in time Then your in-breath, so making your exhalation longer. (sighs) 
The longer exhalation, as Barbara explains it, involves our parasympathetic and autonomic nervous systems. In lay terms, it calms our nervous system when we're feeling anxious or stressed. I feel it all the time when I'm just wired um, to be very stressed. And for those of us, me too, who have a history of trauma, we can't help this. This is just how we are. This is how our brains function. And so our normal sense of safety and security um, and, and response to danger that we all are wired with is heightened. And you've taught me to, I, to put my hand on my heart or to give myself a hug while I'm doing that breathing. And I have to admit, when you first said it, I was like, yeah, I don't know. But now I almost can't do it without my hands on my heart. Oh, and when you say that, Terry, guess where my hands are right now? <laughs> right over my heart, both of them. Yep. Soothing, comforting touch is another ancient piece of neurological wiring that we as mammals have. And when we can give ourselves a soothing, comforting, supportive touch, especially right now, Terry, we're so um, removed from physical touch from other people except for people we're actually living with, this, you know, hugging, handshakes, um, you know, all of it. We, we don't have it mm-hmm. right now. And even though it's not, it's not the same, I'm not saying it's the same, but we can gain some comfort and support for ourselves through our own soothing touch, through our own comforting touch. And so putting your hands together, in some way, firmly, gently, whatever feels good and affirming to you, putting a hand on your belly. You know, when we notice, when we begin to notice where we're holding stress in our bodies, where we feel it, and we can put a soothing, comforting, supportive touch right on that spot it helps us to soften a little in that area, not to make the feeling go away, but just because we're suffering, we're struggling, we have this really difficult emotion, and the soothing touch can really help us in that moment. One of the last points that Dr. Moser made was a really tricky one for me to get during the class, but now I really like it now that I've thought about it for a long time. But we do these things for ourselves not to make the feeling go away, but simply because we're having the bad feeling. So it's like, that didn't work. You know, it's, it's I deserve this gentle touch. I deserve to stop for a second and breathe, to be mindful of where I am, just because I'm, I'm in the middle of something that's really unpleasant. And... I think that's really self-affirming and a really, um, I don't know, for me, it was kind of hard to wrap my head around. But like I said, it's a, it's a very comforting thing for me now. And it's always available, you know, as long as we stay connected to that as an option. Mm-hmm. I find naming um, any emotion, but for me personally, particularly depression, you know, that, that little bit of detachment or space 
makes all the difference in the world. And talking back even, not not in a, a disrespectful way, but just speaking to the emotion for me is like a muscle that I develop. And, mm-hmm. you know, the more I do it, the better I get and the stronger skill that I have available to kind of combat the negativity and onslaught of, um, can I say crap? Um, sure. The onslaught of crap that I tell myself. Um, I I agree and I can only do it early. I can only do it when I'm hearing yes. the train whistle off in the distance, not when I'm in it. Yeah. Yes, it's it's a nuance of, of at the beginning. Otherwise, it mm-hmm. takes over and becomes stronger than I am, at least. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you to Dr. Barbara Moser. Um, next week, uh, one of the practices, exercises that she did in class was about roots and grounding and connectedness. And I thought, is there a better time for us to have her guide us through that than right now when we're all feeling so separated? So um, I'm looking really forward to that next week. Excellent. Barbara, as always, um, I leave with tangible, doable, real, simple tools and techniques. And my hand is on my heart mm-hmm. and we're filled with appreciation for you, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up. 